It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and it's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are going to recap day number five of New York Jets training camp with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. Of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So, Chris, I think the big news here is that, brother, we got a brand new player at camp today, dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can, I, can I quit again? How, how does this work? Are we gonna? Is this gonna have to happen every time we say his name? Because I'm gonna make sure I don't ever mention his name if that's the case. I'm just getting it out of my system, Chris. But Chris Hogan did show up today. Yes, he was there. Uh, I, um, he was there in uniform, practicing. You know, didn't do too much yet, but. Uh, Gase talked afterwards. Said he he's gonna he expects him to be able to pick up uh, the playbook and be able to be out there practicing a lot. Uh, so y- you will most likely hear me mentioning his name, even if I uh, am careful about mentioning it around you. Here's another name that we'll mention and probably won't inspire any impersonations. That's Dante Moncrief. Jets gonna take a look at him, huh? Yeah, uh, they're giving shot. You know. Uh, He's a play, I, you know, I, I, he's kind of uh, I, it's very similar in, in my mind, not necessarily as a receiver, although there are some there, as how I felt about the Josh Dotson thing. I, I was a, a fan of Moncrief coming out. I had a not quite as high as I like Dotson, and then Moncrief had some injuries and some ups and downs. He had a, a, a nice little stretch with Indianapolis where I thought he was putting it all together, and then it, it just – didn't happen for him and he hasn't been able to do that but with with the shape of this receiver core right now it it certainly can't hurt and bring him in and just like I said about Hogan it'll at least be a help for training camp uh I wouldn't have high expectations beyond that but it would be at least a a help for these couple weeks of training camp left Let's talk about a big name who a lot of Jets fans have been talking about for a while, and that is Yannick Ngakwe. As we record this, Mike Lombardi is reporting that he has sources telling him that Ngakwe is on the verge of being traded for a second-round pick. He would not reveal the team that he's on the verge of being traded to, but I'm fairly comfortable in saying it's not going to be the Jets. I'm going to go to you in a second, Chris, because obviously you have sources on this, but it just wouldn't make any sense because it would be a second-round pick. The Jets can't extend him. Any team that's trading for him under those circumstances, you would think, if they're smart, would be a team that's going all in. Perhaps a team like Seattle, you and I talked about this before we started recording, would make sense because, remember, they haven't signed Clowney yet, 
and they've got Adams still on his rookie deal. So if they want to take a real swing, bring in Ngakwe, and now all of a sudden in 2020, you really try to hit that home run over the fence. Could be interesting. There are other teams that could be in the mix, too, that could use pass rush help. Most teams could. But with the Jets, I just don't think it's a realistic possibility. It wouldn't make sense for Joe Douglas, who's collecting draft picks, to trade one for a guy who he couldn't extend, no matter how talented that guy is. Yeah, uh, this news broke like right before we get uh, ready to record. My initial reaction was, well, they're not going to pay him. Uh, pay him now so it doesn't make any sense but then the quickly after that was uh, the thought that you had that even if they would they couldn't you, you they are not allowed to extend him um, if they could extend him and they would extend him then sure give up a second round pick for him and go ahead and do that but to roll the dice on that for just this year it just I can't see them giving that up uh, I don't think it's uh, he's gonna make that much of a difference uh this season they he would surely help this team would make a much better defense and help them this year and going forward if they could eventually resign him but you, you know you're taking them from six to eight wins to eight and nine wins and you know maybe it would be enough to get i just i just don't see them uh doing it on a rental and there's no way uh, I know fans will sit there and say, oh, well, you can get the inside track on signing him. No, no, no. That's that's not what's going to be. And, yeah, you could get a comp pick back for him if you did it, but uh, what's that comp pick going to be? It j- I just don't see it. Um, I haven't – I sent out a couple texts because, uh, like I said, this broke right before we hopped on the call. So I sent out a couple texts just to double check to see, you know, hey, is there anything here? I haven't heard back yet, but I'm I'm expecting that that's going to come back and be like, yeah, it's not us. See, this is why I think they should sign Jadavian Clowney, because everything you just said about Ngakwe would pertain to Clowney, except there would be no draft compensation. So there's really nothing to lose there. I don't think Clowney's as talented a pass rusher as Ngakwe, obviously, but The second round pick versus no second round pick is a big difference. That said, I don't think they're going to get Clowney. I think that ship has sailed. If he does go somewhere this year, I think it's probably going to be to a contender. But maybe, just maybe, Chris, the Jets' pass rush is in a little bit better shape than we thought because Jordan Jenkins, once again, putting on a clinic with the young man, Mr. Mekhi Becton, showing the rook the ropes. Yeah, I, I temper my expectations for uh, what this means for Jordan Jenkins going forward. Because uh, here's the thing. They're, they're, they're basically just taking turns where Becton wins and Jordan Jenkins wins. And Becton wins, Jordan Jenkins wins. When Becton wins, he's winning because of his just size and his uh, natural talent and ability. When Jordan Jenkins wins, it's because he's pulling some veteran savvy move on Mekhi Becton. Um, today they were doing uh, O-line drills one-on-one. And um, on the first uh, the first one, it was, it was a t- tight little uh, battle at first, but uh, Jenkins was able to beat him around the edge. The second one, Becton had him stuffed clean, like completely stopped dead in his tracks. And then uh, Jenkins just gave him a quick little hand rip and pull, knocked his hands right off of him. 
And you could, you could tell Becton wasn't ready for it. He wasn't prepared for it. He had his hands on him. He was like, he's thinking in his head, I got him. I'm, I can move him any direction he wants. And then Jenkins just swatted at his arms, knocked him off, and then was able to uh, go right past him. And as Becton went to the ground because it, like, messed with his balance, uh, it, it's almost like, you know, in basketball when someone pulls the chair out on somebody, Jenkins had his weight going in one direction, knocked him a little off balance and got him. It was just a veteran move. So, uh, but I think this is all this stuff is huge for Becton because he's getting a chance to see some of this beforehand. He's going to see this throughout the season. And he's going to see it from more talented uh, players than Jordan Jenkins. So being, you know, learning this stuff, being exposed to it now should help him. But uh, Jordan Jenkins is doing good. Uh, he, he's shown some other things. He had a solid day in team drills too. So I'm, I'm not trying to poo-poo it too much. But at the same time, when he's beating Becton, it, it's pure veteran savviness. And that's good news, believe it or not, because as you said, this means that Becton is finally seeing things that he didn't have to deal with at Louisville. And remember, for anything anybody wants to say about Jordan Jenkins, and he's certainly nothing amazing, he's a legitimate NFL outside linebacker who has those kind of moves, and he's going to have the type of moves that Becton hasn't seen before, hasn't had to defend. Now he gets to defend them. And if he can eventually find a way to figure out what to do there, which you would hope Frank Pollock will help him with, and I'm sure Duke Manyweather will continue to advise him on that, and Dwayne Ledford, his offensive line coach at Louisville as well, that will help him enormously once he gets ready for actual game action. So you want him to be facing these things now, and you want these struggles to happen in camp so that fewer of them happen during the regular season. Now... The stuff that Becton got fooled by, I don't think Connor McGovern would have gotten fooled by because Connor McGovern obviously is a veteran who's seen and dealt with these things for the last several years. He is going to be one of the key pieces of this Jets offensive line if they're going to be better than they were last year. Because as much as we like Jonathan Harrison, what he's shown you is that he's not cut out to be the starter. So McGovern is going to be one of the key pieces. But still, Harrison is important because he's there for depth purposes. He could be a guard. He could be a center. He can step in when needed. And today, he was needed by David Fales. <laughs> yeah, he was, David Fales definitely appreciated it. That's for sure. He definitely appreciated it. Uh, you know, they they ran a play, David Fails uh, dropped back, and then he didn't see anything downfield, so he took off running, and he's running. Harvey Lange came, comes running up to him and gives him a, a full two-hand shove as he goes to the ground, and Jonathan Harrison just came running over, screaming, that's the quarterback, don't touch the quarterback. And then uh, the – the defense kind of circled around him. There was a lot of dancing and celebrating. It was it was an odd scene, but J- Jonathan Harrison did not appreciate that, and he made sure to let Harvey Lange know that. Um, it, it There was no punches thrown or anything. It seemed to work out all right, but it was definitely something that Jonathan Harrison was right there to, to step up and defend the quarterback, and it, it, as he should have, because it was definitely a mistake by Lange. You, should, you shouldn't do that. Uh, obviously, it's better to do – if you're going to do it to a quarterback, do it to Fails and not Sam Darnold, but don't do it to any of the quarterbacks. Definitely shouldn't be roughing up quarterbacks like that in training camp. 
But then again, the quarterback shouldn't be throwing bad interceptions in training camp either, which is what Fales did later on. Apparently, Quincy Wilson picked off Robinson Cano. Did I read that right? That was what Connor Hughes said. Or am I getting this wrong, Chris? Uh, as far as I know, you got that wrong. Um, I've been out there for every practice today. I've covered this team for a long time, and I miss stuff. It, it happens. But I'm pretty sure I didn't miss them signing Robinson Cano. I, I'm pretty sure he still plays baseball with the Mets. Yeah, that interception, honestly, I'm I'm going to put that interception on the receiver more than anything else. It definitely wasn't the greatest throw. It was Lawrence uh, Cager uh, was the receiver. He was coming back doing a simple comeback route. And he, I, honestly, like I, I'm, try, I'm trying to be generous here, but I don't know if I've ever seen a receiver come out of the, their break uh, quite as slow as Cager did. Uh, as I'm watching him get into and out of his break, I I just said to myself, this is getting intercepted. And then I see Quincy Wilson just flying out of nowhere and just picked it off. And Cager hadn't even come, gotten out of his break yet. So uh, that, it, it wasn't the greatest throw, but I'm putting that uh, interception mostly on Cager there. Chris, before we started recording, you and I were talking about Cager and Campbell. Those are the two undrafted rookie wide receivers that a lot of the fans are looking forward to hearing things about in training camp. And I said to you that just looking at some of the basic facts about the two of them without having watched a ton of tape on them, it felt like to me that if either one of these guys was going to make it, it would be Campbell, not Cager. And my reasoning was Campbell has incredible speed. There's physical traits there, and even though there wasn't a ton of production, you could see glimpses. He had something like 25 yards per catch. He's on the skinny side. Reminds you a little bit of Robbie Anderson that way, whereas with Cager, he's just a big guy. Maybe he's got good hands, but it sort of screams a little Laquan Treadwell type thing to me, even though he is a very big guy. I didn't see much in him. Is that how it's trending the first few days, that if one of these guys is going to make it, you would bet on Campbell, not Cager? Uh, let, let's see. If I put it this way, today was the first day that I really saw uh, Campbell out on the field and doing something. Uh, he made a, a handful of nice plays. Uh, they were all against second and third team units. Uh, <laughs> he had one in the red zone where he caught like a little five, six-yard slant did a little double juke and then was able to fight for the tough yards and get into the end zone. He had a couple other plays that were pretty nice, but that was, that was the first that I've seen from him good or bad uh, from with Cager. I, I haven't seen anything to except for just his size in general. That makes me think that he, he's an NFL receiver. Um, I haven't seen anything from Campbell that would tell me that he's not um, again, I had it was just uh, a handful of plays today, not against the, stuff, the stiffest te uh, competition. Uh, so even as impressive as some of the stuff he did today was, this training camp, wide receivers training camp, we, we know how this tends to work out. But I haven't seen anything to make me think that he, he can't do it. With Cager, I'm seeing some things where I'm like, yeah, I just don't know how this is going to work. Uh, I, I just don't see it right now. It doesn't mean it won't change. It doesn't mean that he can't turn it around. Uh, you know, maybe he's still uh, thinking too much and he's still trying to figure out the playbook. It, it, it could all change at a snap. But right now, 
not only have I not seen anything that makes me think it would work, I've seen things from Cager that makes me think that I, I just don't see how it could. Uh, but so, yes, I would say Campbell has a better shot, but that's also because right now I'm thinking Cager has little to no shot. As of right now, you'd say neither one of those guys is much of a threat to Brashad Perriman, partly because of what you just described, but also partly because Perriman has done very well in camp and seems to be building a real rapport with Sam Darnold. Had another big touchdown catch today. Arthur Millette, the victim this time. Yeah, it's another short slant route, and Perriman just used the size and speed to just jet right past uh, Millette. I don't, I don't want to be sitting here raining on parades or anything, and people know that I wasn't the, the, the highest on the signing of Perriman to begin with. So if you want to think that this is just a continuation of me riding with that, okay, that's fair. Go ahead and think that. Uh, but I haven't been quite as impressed with Perriman as it seems the general consensus is. I definitely defer to – Darnold and Adam Gase and the coaching staff because they know how much more he has the playbook down and they're they're all talking about that part of it how mentally he's knows everything he's supposed to do how he came to camp knowing that all he studied and learned the playbook inside and out and I believe that wholeheartedly um I'm gonna just take their words I believe that but I've seen them do some nice things but again, we're back here at this training camp, wide receiver training camp thing. I'm, I, I have a little bit of higher bar before I'm going to start talking about how he's going to have this great season and how they have this great chemistry. I'm going to need to see that going forward. But he, he has looked pretty good. Uh, I, I think people are getting a little carried away with how good he looks, but he has his look pretty good. You can see with his uh, size and you can see how fast he is. So there, there's some potential there. But again, I we've known that he's had potential. Potentials, like we've been, and everyone around the NFL has been talking about his potential for five years now. So I'm going to need to see a little bit more than what I've seen in training camp before I think he's reached that potential. But if you want to how to hold out hope, there's some there's some promising signs there. Perriman building some chemistry with Sam Darnold while Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin continue to build on the existing chemistry that they had with Sam Darnold. Griffin did pretty well with Darnold last year. Herndon did pretty well with him in 2018 when they were both rookies. Herndon had himself a nice practice and continued to add to that, but a new tight end has entered the picture. Not entirely new. He was on the team last year, but for all intents and purposes, he's new because he didn't really do much last year. Trayvon Wesco getting into the mix today. Yeah, it was, it was funny to see. Herndon's had an, uh, a nice uh, couple of days of practice. He's, he's put together like three really good solid days where he's made at least one or two wow catches in each practice. Um, he's, he's looking good. And uh, uh, today, uh, Darnold tried to hit him on like a back shoulder throw that was way too back it was way too behind him and I I don't know how he twisted and contorted his body to actually make the catch but he did and he was able to make the diving catch and then on the next play Darnold might have overcorrected because he threw it too far in front of Wesco but Wesco was able to come and make the diving catch and listen this is going to be something that Sam Darnold's going to need uh Fans, coaches, everybody wants Darnold to elevate his play so to the point where he elevates the, the players around him. 
but sometimes the quarterback's going to need their players to bail him out and elevate the quarterback. And back-to-back plays, that's what the tight ends did today. So that was promising. That was good to see. And Gase talked afterwards about uh, feeling really good about the tight end room, uh, about when Ryan Griffin can come back, what he can add into it. And he really likes uh, what they're seeing of Wesco, him coming along. But again, we're back to it. We're talking tight ends. It's going to be Chris Herndon that they need him to play and be healthy. And if he can, he can be a big difference maker that can really, really impact and help this offense. Let's be honest, Chris. The only reason Wesco was able to do anything is because Kyle Phillips wasn't covering him. <laughs> that is fair. Um, this uh, anybody that's been following me for a while knows how I feel about wheel routes. Um. I, I just don't understand why NFL teams don't call them more because wheel routes, the only way a wheel route doesn't work is if it's a bad throw from a quarterback. Like 99% of wheel routes will work if the quarterback puts the ball where it's supposed to be. Today, uh, Michael P. Ryan went out on a wheel route and 267-pound uh, Kyle Phillips was running with him step for step and played it perfectly. I've, I've seen good cornerbacks, good safeties, good coverage linebackers play far worse coverage on wheel routes than what Kyle Phillips did today. Just ran with them step by step, blocked them out completely and just walled him off. So he couldn't get to the ball. Now I'm watching again, six foot four, Kyle Phillips coming down 267 pounds. And it looks like he's still like 20 feet uh, yards away from me at this point. And I'm worried that he's going to come barrel over me because of his size moving at that speed. But then I remember back to, he ran like, I, I think it was a four point, uh, a six, eight 40, like at that size. Uh, and uh, the Michael Perrine ran a uh, 4.62. So yeah, it that makes it, it makes a little more sense when you do that. But holy cow, on that 40 again, that reminds me of like he ran at that size at crazy speed. Uh, to watch a defensive lineman that size cover that wheel route so perfectly, it was exceptional. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, it was extremely impressive, and I mean, honestly, that's enough for me to talk about Kyle Phillips for the next 10 years. Like, it was that impressive. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com.
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Chris, last two notes. Peanut with a nice deflection and interception off of David Fales today. And the legend of Jeff Smith continues to grow. <laughs> yeah, he had a, a nice little catch in the back of the end zone to end practice. He's had a couple a couple nice plays. Uh, I Again, I, I think people are getting a little carried away with describing his performance in camp. It's been nice. It's been solid. He's making plays here and there. Uh, it's it's not anything I'm getting too excited about or like sitting there uh, thinking uh, that it's going to necessarily mean anything. I'm not saying that it's not yet. It's just too early for me to talk about this. Like he's going to have a real impact going forward. Uh, but he has put together uh, a couple of nice practices so far. Yeah, and then Aduasar, uh was able to jump around uh, over the middle, picked it off, and uh, took it back for a nice return. It was a it was really nice play. The first play from him that really jumped out to me. Um, again, this year is a little different because of uh, we're restricted in our movement. Today we were behind the end zone, and we could only uh, only like half of uh, the – width of the end zone so uh, uh restricted on how much we can see so it's not like i've been i've watched a hundred on wasar reps and this was the first one that stood out but of the ones that i have been able to see this was the first one where it really stood out it was a really nice play excellent read and coverage and just uh cut right in front to make the pick and and take off for a return his nickname is Peanut, much like Charles Tillman, and until I hear his name said during games or by announcers, so I'm 100% confident that I can pronounce it correctly, I'm going to refer to him as Peanut. So if you heard me say that, that is who I am referring to when I say Peanut. Chris, injuries. We know there's plenty of them. Where do we stand? Okay, so injuries here. We got, uh, obviously... Denzel Mims still out with the hamstring. Cameron Clark with the shoulder. Bronson Kafusi with the hamstring. Desir with the hamstring. Brian Poole still with the dehydration. Uh, they think they're making some progress there, but they're also not rushing it. Uh, they, they're not worried about it. Gase talked about it afterwards. They're not worried about it. They're going to figure out what's going on. They're going to ease them back into it. Um, 
<clears throat> Burgess is still out with the lower back. Uh, Jabari Zaniga uh, with the quad. And today, Connor McDermott, offensive lineman, went down with a knee injury. He's getting an MRI this afternoon. So uh, that's it for that. Uh, one little thing of note, um, Avery Williamson, he didn't return to practice, but he was out there today. He had his uniform on. Uh, I don't know what that means. He he could – a lot of – like he said, uh, they were talking with Poole that we'll probably see him out there and we'll see him doing stuff on the side a lot a lot of conditioning stuff. Uh, and so there's, that's likely to be the case with Avery Williamson too. Uh, but that's a sign of progress. He's getting closer. And at this rate, I would expect as long as there's no setbacks that he'll be ready for the season at least, but maybe, maybe I'm being a little reckless in that assumption, but that that's where I, uh, my head's at with that right now. We heard from coach Gase after practice as we generally do what he have to say. Yeah. M- more about, um, Bashard uh, Perriman, uh, again, the reporters have been impressed with him, so they're asking him lots of questions. He's, he's, Gase likes the chemistry between him and Darnold. Uh, he, again, I'll say he, he really likes how he's picked up the playbook, um, the size and the speed of him. Um, they, they talked about Quinn and Williams, about how much more comfortable he feels with the playbook, how he's playing and just reacting instead of thinking. Um, so I, they like the confidence that he's showing. Uh, talked about Chris Hogan and about him being able to come back more. Again, the tight ends, how he loves the, the tight end room. And when they get Ryan Griffin back at some point, it they have different skill sets uh, that they can take advantage of and they can use for different things. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's the extent of what he talked about today a little bit, uh, but still uh, reporters are, uh, are, are stuck on Perriman. So it seems like we're going to be getting a lot of Perriman content in these next couple of days. Since you brought up Quinn and Williams, Chris, we should talk about him because he spoke to reporters as well. This quote really jumped out at me, Chris. He said, they know I can be a baller and be an animal. This is a confident young man. <laughs> It, it it was funny watching him uh, talk today because he's still got everything that that giant a kid thing about him. Uh, he's still got the southern draw, but you could you could hear and feel his confidence. You can see it. You can see it just the way he walks around now. He's more comfortable in his body, um, and just the way he talked about everything. Um, now he he said last year he was in his head too much. He was reacting overthinking he he was uh thinking why he was taking steps uh instead of just taking the step um he's he worked really hard this off season to transform his body he he completely changed his diet his training he's worked on his endurance uh he's said he's only down about six pounds but he's it's a lot less body fat and a lot more muscle mass. And again, you can see it because he he looks almost, especially in comparison to last year, he looks like slim, dare I say, but his arms are still big and and he he looks a lot more built than just a big guy. Um, You can see it some on the field too, because he's playing quicker. He's being a little more disruptive. He could say uh, – he said that, you know, him and uh, – Steve McClendon and Henry Anderson have been a big help for him as just 
veterans to lean on, but also to push him and motivate him. He says he spent the off season working out, transforming his body, but he would kept sending them videos like at, at all throughout the night and day, uh, basically just ignore uh, annoying them with how much he was doing it. But they've been a big, <laughs> a big help in hold, holding him accountable. And they said also after the season, he went back and he watched the tape and on how he played and he could see all the mis- the little mistakes he was making, all the little things he was doing wrong. Um, and he talked about himself in third person, of course, said, as I evaluate myself, I said, oh, Q could have done this. Q could have done that. Now he's taking all the right steps. And uh, it was a, a pleasure and a delight to listen to. Uh, he was asked about the ankle injury and if uh, what factor that played. He didn't want to blame any, put any blame on the injury. He said, because I got out there, and if I'm playing, then I'm playing. Don't He's not going to use that as an excuse. Um, but, yeah, he, he just – he said he's been boxing. He also said that he's he, he's been doing boxing. He's just not recording them and sending the videos out like Le'Veon Bell does. Um, so a little playful fun there. But yeah, he, he just last year he came in trying to get his feet wet um, and learn. It's a, a, you know a little overwhelming. Now he's got his confidence back. He's got his body right. He's been working. He he knows the playbook in and out. He he's he's feeling great and you can hear the confidence in his voice you can see it on his face you can see it on the field last but not least mr sam darnold spoke to the media as well sam started off uh with a very uh, a, a quote very similar observation that i had today because the pads were on the day and they were actually hitting today uh today felt like the the closest thing to normal uh, as far as football as, as I've seen so far this year. And Sam said the same thing. It's all, almost felt normal today. Um, he raved about Perriman, too. He said, been great so far. Does all the little things right. It's all you can ask for. Comes in, does what he needs, gets his lifts in, very good in meetings, knows the playbook in and out, and what he's supposed to do on the field. Um, <clears throat> he said that as soon as they signed Perriman, he gave him a, a call on the phone. They made plans to throw in Florida, and they went and executed to do that. He says he's super explosive athlete, gets in and out of his cuts, big guy, uh, everything you want in the receiver, and he's looking forward to the season with him. Uh, he was asked about Quinnen, too. There was a couple questions about uh, if he had talked to Quinnen last year, you know, about high expectations and being the rookie. He said, no, you know, he didn't really do too much with that, but – um, he did the first thing you talked about was Quinton's uh, sense of humor, and he was just kind of giggling to himself about that. But he also made sure to mention that, like the offensive line and the meetings, they're talking about Quinton Williams. They're talking about how good Quinton Williams is and what they expect out of Quinton Williams, and and, and Sam does too. So, um, <clears throat> also a common theme here we're hearing with these players: Sam's just playing faster, his second year in the system. He's more comfortable. He knows everything he's supposed to do. He says when he calls a play, he already sees it in his head. So he's not worried. Last year, they call a play, and he's worried about who's lined up right, which side are they going to, uh, who's going to be where. Now he's he already sees it automatically off the bat. It's in his head. So now he can just focus on what the defense is going to do and as opposed to worrying about what everyone else is going to do. 
And then uh, Connor McGovern, uh, McGovern had said the other day that Sam had like called a little impromptu team meeting to talk to. A reporter asked him about it. And he's, he feels more comfortable. That's still not his style. That's still not something what he wants to do uh, too often. But he's, he had some things he felt he needed to say. And he felt that this was the time for him to speak up and say it. Obviously, he didn't expound on that. This is one of these these downsides of the way that uh, coverage is going to be this year because the, you get a quote like this and then we go into the locker room and all his reporters go scurry talking to the other guys to see if we can get one of them to give us a little bit, uh, some morsels dropped in there on the content of what he said. Well, it's going to be much harder to do without an open locker room this year, but – uh, so we don't know exactly what it was that he felt he needed to get off his chest, but he felt he needed to, and he did it. So that's an encouraging sign going forward. You don't have – quarterbacks don't have to be that guy all the time, but you you definitely – if you feel you need to say something, then he's got to say something. So that's encouraging. Chris, as we wrap up, an absolute bombshell just dropped by Mike Lombardi. He tweeted, okay, this is real. I'm hearing the team deeply involved for Ngakwe is the New York Jets. Not fake news. Will it happen? Not sure, but they are trying really hard. So there you go, Chris. Obviously, if this happens, we'll have plenty to say about it on the podcast tomorrow or whenever the deal happens. But a deal that we didn't think was actually possible now maybe could happen, according to Mike Lombardi. The Jets apparently deep in discussion with the Jaguars involving Yannick Ngakwe. On the one hand, I wouldn't love it because to give up a second rounder for a guy that you can't sign right now seems kind of crazy. But on the other hand, Chris, boy, how exciting would it be to have somebody like Yannick Ngakwe here? Yeah, I don't know. This 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 feels weird though. Just just on the base because uh, before his earlier tweet made it seem like the deal was all done, and now it, it, the Jets are deeply involved in it. I I don't know. I did just let me look into this a little bit more. But yeah, for right now, listen. If they can, if they do it, that's going to help this team. I'm not against it. Uh, I just don't know that it makes the most sense without it. But go ahead, sure, roll those dice. Uh, I, I I'm with it. You. If, they, if it's just going to cost a second rounder, I'm with it. Go ahead and roll the dice. I don't know how high the upside is on it, but go ahead and roll those dice. I'm, I'm cool with it. He, uh, Yannick Ngakwe is a really, really excellent player. He can help this team, and uh, I, I'd, I'd be surprised still. Uh, I Let me look at my phone. I haven't gotten anything back. But the fact that I haven't got anything back right now makes me think that maybe – I, as you can tell, I'm, I'm, you're hearing my brain think in, in action right now. I'm working this out in my head. The fact that I haven't heard anything back right now makes me think maybe this is a possibility. So um, Lombardi, I'm looking at his tweet right now. He's, he's certainly hedging on this tweet right now. But, uh, yeah, I'm for it. Go for it. I don't, I don't think it makes all the sense in the world, but go ahead, take that shot, roll those dice. Uh, but yeah, you, you're going to have to work hard to make sure you can resign him next year, but he, he would, there's no doubt he would help this team this year. So go ahead and do it. It's all it's going to cost us a second. 
I probably wouldn't do it because I wouldn't want to give up a second round pick for a guy that I wouldn't be 100% confident I could keep. But that said, as a fan, it would be really exciting to watch a guy like that here. The Jets haven't had anybody of that caliber since John Abraham. Now, I don't think Ngakwe is quite as good as John Abraham was, but still, the point is, they haven't had that real stud pass rusher in a long time. So, if nothing else, you could debate the price all you want, but boy... It will be fun watching Ngakwe if that deal gets done. And obviously, if it does get done, we will have plenty to talk about here on the podcast as we roll into day number six tomorrow. Chris Nimbley, the very big deal over at JetsInsider.com. Thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. I know you've got your three takeaways up at JetsInsider.com right now. So if anybody wants to read this in written form, much more abbreviated, they can do that, right? Yep, absolutely. Got the three observations up now. Uh, I was planning on doing something with uh, on Perriman and Darnold. Probably going to have something in the next couple of days about Quinn and Williams. Uh, probably going to wait and uh, see if uh, anything breaks on Yannick before I get too deep into writing that. Uh, because if that breaks, then I'll obviously have to put that story up. But there will be plenty of content in these coming days, and we got another day of practice tomorrow, so you get more observations tomorrow as well. Make sure that you follow Chris on Twitter at Jets Insider and at C Nimbly. Read his very big deal work at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.